0: of the climbing hinge podcast on today's episode we're going to be talking about how trauma and repeated stress impact and damage the brain and once the brain has been impacted and damaged by those things what are the types of behaviors what are the symptoms what are the things that you will see in another person that will lead you to understand and know that it is likely due to early life stress, early life damage. Um, The premise here is that when you have a lot of stress or you have trauma earlier on in life, it can be far more um, damaging to the brain than when you are a mature adult. Basically, um, when you are a child or when you're a teenager, your brain has not yet fully formed. It's not a mature, mature, quote unquote brain. Um, The brain tends to mature from different, you know, sources would say 24, 25 years old. So at any point prior to that, if you have severe trauma, severe stress, severe uh, fear-inducing situations, it is more likely to damage the brain to a higher degree than when you're older, okay? And that's that's the premise of how it works. I think there's been quite a bit of research that shows this is the case and that came to... Um, Get into that today Um, But the brain has a thing called plasticity Which means that everything you do everything that happens to you affects the shape of your brain one of the reasons why we don't want to focus on negative thinking is because if you focus on negative thinking all The time or you dwell or you ruminate on negative thoughts what happens is you reinforce the neural pathways um, that support that type of thinking And they become stronger and as they become stronger it gets easier and easier. The brain really works on a thing called efficiency. It wants to be whatever you do to make it as efficient as possible. So if you're thinking and focusing on negative thoughts, you are building stronger neural pathways to support that type of thinking. That's why we want to focus on things such as gratitude and positive thoughts and free and loving thoughts. Anyways, Getting back into the topic at hand, when there is trauma, stress, bad things that happen in a childhood or teenage years or young adults, it can have debilitating and and very harmful effects on the brain. We're gonna talk about what those harmful effects are, but first, let's just talk about what types of trauma and stress we're talking about. Well, alcoholism in the household, illicit drug use in the household when a child is growing up. That type of environment can be very stressful for a young child. A father or mother comes home from work, starts drinking, gets mad, yells and screams. They might not ever do anything physically harmful to the child, but every day can be a very traumatic and stressful situation. The kid, the child, as soon as he hears that one of the parents come home that might be an alcoholic, hears their car approaching into the garage, will start to suffer from anxiety and start to feel stress. That compounded over multiple years can do quite serious damage to the brain. It all depends on what level of the of, of alcoholism is, what the behavior of the parent, but alcoholism in the household or if one parent is abusive towards the other due to alcoholism or drugs, can be very, very devastating. Okay, what's next? Abuse, physical, mental abuse. One of the parents physically abusing the child, one of the parents verbally abusing the child, telling the child they're worthless or no good, devastating, can be very, very harmful. Molestation of a child or a teen from a family or a friend, We've all heard about this. Obviously, it's something that is truly horrific and harmful and can do damage to the brain um, that uh, manifests itself in behaviors many, many years later in life. Betrays the the greatest trust between a child and the people that they are looking to, to take care of. them. So it's very, very damaging. Abandonment is another one child or the children could be abandoned by one of the parents or both of the parents. Again, um, those types of thing happens. What's likely to be an outcome of that? Uh, severe trust issues, not wanting to trust anybody for fear of being abandoned again. That's one. Um, another factor is just general stress. Um, there could be, for, for example, uh, low-income household, no food, um, lack of other things, electricity, for example. That can induce a lot of stress on a young child in in their early life. Um, They could grow up in a rough neighborhood with bullies and get into fights and be fearful just going to school. Um, That is a very stressful situation. And again, induced stress and anxieties day after day and fears can really harm a child. And as we're going to get into it, it can be very, very damaging to uh, the brain and the development of the brain of a young child or a teenager, and we're going to get into what the details of that look like. Um, another factor could be death of one of the parents. A young child, eight, nine years old, um, faces the loss of a parent, maybe both parents, die in a car accident, who knows. Obviously, the death itself is devastating to a child or a young teenager or a young adult but the damage that it can do to the development of the brain can be everlasting. There's more things that can happen. Of course, these are kind of the major ones, the major traumatic events, the major stressors um, that can happen, right? Now, what happens is that when you have sustained uh, stress and you have sustained fear inducing situations, and you have sustained trauma of any sort, what happens when those things are going on, as we've discussed before, is they are releasing different neurotransmitters, glucocorticoids throughout the body, adrenaline to all these things are being done um, so that the child or the young adult is alerted to take action to get safe But what happens is that when these things are repeatedly um, done throughout the body and then the brain, cortisol being released over and over and over, it damages the growth and the maturation of the growing brain. Even in an adult brain, if you experience these things over and over and over, as we well know, it can damage an adult for many, many years, sometimes forever. However, when these things happen during Early childhood, or before the brain is fully matured, continued release of cortisol and adrenaline and corticosteroids, glucocorticoids, other things um, throughout the body as um, flight or flight or factors, defensive mechanisms to protect the person, whoever is, is, is this happening to, damage things over time. All right, and so when you have damaged brain processing centers such as the amygdala, the hippocampus, or the prefrontal cortex, what it does is it impacts the ability of a person to behave in quote unquote normal ways. And so then what you do is you see um, behaviors, which we're gonna talk about the type of behaviors you're likely to see, but you have behaviors that uh, people would say this person is crazy or nuts or just acts irrational or immature. In reality, it is from that could be from sustained early life trauma and stress that has damaged um, perhaps the amygdala, or it's damaged the hippocampus, or it's damaged the neural pathways of, that allow oxytocin to be released and form trusted bonding friendships. all right so It's really, really important to understand if you have a female in your life that you love, a woman that is your wife or your girlfriend or a loved one or a best friend or your mother, and you see certain behaviors, um, which we're going to talk about, it's really important to understand what their life has been like. And if you have knowledge of what their life has been like, early life stressors, midlife stressors, Anxiety inducing events, fear inducing events. It's a good bet that you can trace a lot of the behaviors which you deem immature back to these early life facts. Okay, then, before we go on to part two of this podcast, I just wanted to say that to make it clear that an adult, an adult female, an adult male, adult person can also have great damage done to their brain if traumatic things and stressful situations happen in adulthood. So if, for example, a female, your woman, your wife, your girlfriend has been cheated on, has been stalked, abused verbally, physically, if she's been put in very, very stressful situations repeatedly, A lot of these same things and damage to the brain can also develop. It's just that when it happens in childhood, um, a person is more susceptible to damage, more susceptible to long-term damage, um, more susceptible to deeper damage. Um, So just make that clear that if bad things happen, traumatic events, stressful events happen in adulthood, they can also have a very, very profound negative effect. On a, on a human being. All right. Okay. Now moving into what are the what are the what's the damage that's done to the brain um, and how it works and, and functions together from these types of early life stressors and trauma. First of all, it can lead to an overactive and enlarged amygdala. And what we know about the amygdala is that is the fear center. The amygdala controls fear responses, and when the amygdala goes into action, what happens? It suppresses the hippocampus, the prefrontal cortex, and so a person, when they're in a fear state, won't be thinking rationally, they won't be thinking cognitively, they won't be aware of their emotions, they're simply trying to survive, right? And uh, when somebody's in that That survival state. Um, There's a number of different defensive actions, survival actions they can take. The two most common ones we hear about are flight or fright, right? And so we'll we'll talk about what that uh, leads to later on. But so number one, a person can have a very overactive amygdala. They'll be much more sensitive to threats and fears than a person that hasn't been damaged in this way. And so you know, a, a lot of things that can set a person off and make them fearful. Um, to, to, to me or to another person who doesn't have this damage, they might think this person is acting crazy or immature, right? And that very well may not be the case. It may be the case that this person has a very, very overactive amygdala from a lot of stress and trauma. So have to be aware of that and have to have compassion and empathy and understand what you're dealing with. The next thing that can happen is that the repeated cortisol that's released during stressful situations, um, quote-unquote, hardwires the pathways between the amygdala and the hippocampus. Again, uh, what that leads to is a heightened uh, sense of fear, a deregulation of how the hippocampus works, and the, the amygdala takes precedence. And so that can lead to, again, bad decisions and fear-based decisions, right? Things that um, to a person that hasn't had this damage might be normal. Another person could feel a a deep betrayal, a deep betrayal of trust, um, uh, feeling threatened much more likely than somebody who doesn't have this damage, all right? Or they might avoid things. Um, in, a, in a really profound manner that it's very confusing to you, right? The next thing that it does is it can shrink the actual hippocampus and the hippocampus is uh, responsible for memory, uh, storing of memories, judgment, processing. So if you have a shrunken hippocampus, there might be uh, some signs of memory issues, forgetting things or doing things over and over um, that you would look at and you would, you would question, okay? The next thing that happens is that the re- constant releasing of cortisol can block the oxytocin pathways. We've talked about this before. This makes it harder for this person to develop a bond. It makes it harder for them to develop trust. You can still develop trust and you can still develop a bond with somebody but it takes longer and it takes, it takes more careful work on the part of the person that is trying to build that bond with, with somebody. So for example, if your wife has this kind of damage and it's harder for her to, to build trust and to build a long-term attachment, that just means that you really have to be on top of your behaviors. All your behaviors have to be safe, calm, gentle, strong interactions and behaviors that promote releasing of oxytocin so over time you can show her not show her but behave in ways that she starts to feel a level of trust in you that she hasn't felt in other people Um, so another thing that happens is that it can disrupt synapse regulation and when this happens it can lead to a loss of sociability in a person so um, you might see some signs where you're, you're wife or your girlfriend, or your partner is, is not sociable. Um, this could be the cause of it. And as an overall thing, it can increase the cortisol receptors uh, throughout the brain. And again, what this means is that cortisol is much more likely to be received and, in areas and get stronger. Okay, so the more stress you're under, the more likely you're like, going to feel stressed in those situations. It's a, it's a cycle, a negative cycle that takes effect and it's obviously very, very dangerous and profound. All right, so what you have here then is you have, if, if, if you look at the potential damage, you have heightened senses of fear um, and actions taken. What are those actions? Well, usually in, in the, the females that we see, it's two types of actions. They either avoid the threat or the fear. So in avoidant, what, is, what does a female do? She hides. She doesn't talk. She avoids you when she's feeling threatened or scared. Um, She disappears. She doesn't answer your texts. She doesn't answer your phone calls, right? Those are all typical behaviors that you see. And then the other kind of behavior you see is, is someone who attacks. This is kind of what's common in what we call an anxious, insecure person. This female attacks when she feels threatened. She can go on rants. She can blow up, she can be very controlling, right? Those are the types of behaviors you might see. Um, So you have a person that has a really heightened sense of fear. She's much more likely to react to fear than, than a person who's not damaged. She doesn't trust, doesn't trust easily. It's harder to build trust with this person, right? She doesn't have the same level of openness and intimacy Um, that a lot of, that a more secure person would have, someone that's not been damaged. Um, People that have had this kind of damage can often feel great sense of betrayals and have a victim mentality. Everybody is out to get them. Everybody is after them. Everybody's betraying them, right? Because they have a deep, deep sense of mistrust of others that's embedded in them, in their brain and how their physiology is structured after this type of damage. Now we have, we talked about two different types of, of dominant patterns of behaviors that you see from a female that's been damaged this way. Number one, we have an avoidant, a uh, way called insecure avoidant. And again, what are some of the behaviors that you see? Um, she avoids conflict, she hides. From you, not literally heights, but you know heights, doesn't answer your messages, doesn't answer your texts if she's feeling threatened or scared. Um, she can have a deep sense of a fear of love, a deep fear of abandonment, and a fear of too much affection. Um, because of the fact that all these things have happened, it's, she's going to be very, very cautious about opening up and showing her, her feelings and being intimate with you because it's scary for her. You have to understand that. One of the things you often see in in females that have this kind of disposition is they don't want to hold and cuddle throughout the night. They might hold for a little bit, um, but they have a really hard time um, cuddling and holding for a long time. It's very uncomfortable for them. It's too intimate. It's too close. It's scary. Okay. They don't want to put their guard down. They've been taught that if they put their guard down, they get hurt, right? Um, that they, they've been taught that through the, through the bad things that have happened to them, the trauma, the abuse, or whatever it was, right? And so when you're dealing with a female like this, um, you have to be very careful because they will run. They, they may, may try to run out of a relationship if they, for example, are falling in love with you. Love can be very scary to somebody like this. Um, if they start to feel attracted to you, they might run because they don't want to be abandoned by you. Or if they feel that there's too much affection and you're wanting too much affection for them, it may make them uncomfortable. And again, they may run or avoid you. These are all common types of behaviors in the insecure avoidant, right? Now, an insecure anxious person is kind of the opposite of that. The insecure anxious is a very controlling person. Um, she may blow up. Uh, on, a, on a whim, if she feels threatened by things, or she feels like she's being attacked or betrayed. She may blow up one minute, and then several hours later, she'll be fine again. Why is that the case? You may be shaking your head at how this can happen, but again, uh, something uh, is processed by the brain of a female like this. It's deemed a threat. She acts on it, she fights, she reacts, she attacks. And Then once her amygdala is is less aroused and she is more in a calm state, she kind of goes back into a normal state of behavior and it's almost like it's forgotten. We see that behavior many, many times. One of the things you see in females that are insecure, anxious, they want to control everything. They want to control you. They want to control their environment, right? Controlling things gives them a sense to feel a little bit more at ease because they're always on alert. And so if they're controlling things, they feel more comfortable and that's why they desire to do that. Okay? They go on rants. If you don't answer their text or you don't answer their phone calls, what do they do? They might call you over and over and over. They might keep texting you. Where are you? What's going on? How can you're not answering my calls? If you cared about me, you would be texting me back. Again, it's constant control and manipulation. Um, Again, one of the things you see with insecure, anxious females is a lack of affection, a lack of intimacy. And if you come at them and and express that you want affection and intimacy like that from them, they may may reject you because a lot of uh, females that have this this disposition, again, um, they reject feminine behaviors from a man. They view it as weak course because they've been masculinized. Why have they been masculinized? Because they have to be strong and tough to survive because of what they've been through. Again, they want to manipulate you. They want to control you. um, They probably don't like to cuddle again but again this is all about controlling you. So you have two basic uh, patterns of behaviors. You have the avoidant and you have the insecure anxious. The avoidant Again, they avoid. They don't want conflict. They are super high alert to their fears of love, abandonment, too much affection. Um, any kind of conflict at all can be very, very scary for them. If they sense conflict, they will run and hide. So, when we, you often hear this statement from men about how they want to call out their females for lying or doing other things. And if you understand what we're talking about here, if you out their lies or you call out what they've done um, they're going to go into a fear state because they fear conflict and when you call out whatever their actions or their lies are that's a conflicting situation and it goes t- takes them into a fear state so it causes them to be stressed to feel anxious and then to run and hide from you okay that's what happens when you quote-unquote call out their actions and their lies. So you actually, by doing that, um, can make things far worse because you've shown them that it is a stressful situation that you've put them in. You've made them feel anxious. You've made them be fearful. It hasn't been a a trusting oxytocin-releasing event. It's been a cortisol-releasing event, which blocks their ability to trust you and their ability to be comfortable with you. So always keep that in mind. Alright so now that you understand how early life stress and early life trauma and late life adult trauma can impact the brain and you can really understand what the what the resulting impacts of that damage can be we've talked about it. It's a super highly aroused fear aroused female on alert very very sensitive to threats and fears very very sensitive to betrayals sensitive to issues of trust, um, having a lack of intimacy, a lack of affection, um, uh, being very, very scared, possibly of of feelings of love, scared of abandonment, scared of too much affection, and all those things are in the, the insecure avoidant. And we see in the insecure anxious, very controlling behavior, very manipulative behavior, a much more willingness to, to argue and fight with you and go on rants about how you've wronged them in the past, right, okay? So now if you see these behaviors that we're talking about, you can probably link them back to things that have happened into the, your female partner's past, either in childhood, the early teen years, or in adulthood, and you can start to understand just why it is they're behaving like that. And why it's so paramount for you to really understand um, a why they're behaving like that and how you have to behave in response. There's specific ways um, that we talk about teach that you have to respond to both types of, of females that have been damaged avoidance and anxious controllers and it's really important that you always be calm and you always handle situations in a strong calm unaffected manner so that you're not um, having more cortisol-releasing events. You're not adding stress to their life. You're not adding more anxiety to their lives, right? You're working to build strong, um, trusted interactions that release oxytocin. With females that have been damaged like this, it's harder to do that. So if you're with a female that has been damaged, you have to understand it takes more work it takes more skillful work on your behalf in order to build trust, in order to build a feeling of them being safe with you than it does if you're with a woman that hasn't had been damaged. If you're with a secure woman that hasn't had this type of damage done, it's, it's easier to build a loving, trusting relationship. Okay, Just remember that. All right, so that's been uh, this episode of the Climbing Hinge podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and learned uh, some things from this. If you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to contact me. And thank you again.